There was only one perfect man who had a perfect pitch, if I may use a mu musical term. Someone with a perfect pitch, they get the note right every time. There's only one person who ever walked this world whose life was exactly at the right pitch. Every word, every thought, every attitude was right. When it comes to us, we are mostly off pitch. We do not hit the right note in so many areas of our lives, and we need help. And thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and today we're going to be looking at a manual for a caring church. We'll be turning to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I trust that this will be a practical word that will instruct us all in how we ought to organize the Lord's church to be a place that cares for souls. Now, firstly, we want to return to the Lord's Prayer, to our subject on how to pray. I want to move to the principle of grace in prayer. We need grace to call God our Father. And for this, we must be true sons of God. That is, the power of the gospel at work in our hearts, whereby we are given the Holy Spirit to pray, Abba, Father. God as our Father is amazing grace. We were born the sons of the devil. We had all the corruption of Adam, our first father. And to be a child of God is gospel grace. It's a miracle of God's power. These disciples never really prayed in their lives before they followed the Lord Jesus. Paul the Apostle did likewise. In spite of all his religion, he never prayed before his conversion. To be effective in prayer, you need this spirit of adoption. Without that, you cannot call yourself a child of God, and you cannot pray in a gospel sense. Grace is given to us to hallow God's name. When we pray, we are to call God our Father, and we're also to request, Hallowed be thy name. This is to make God's name holy. This is to walk in fear and the fullness of God's majesty. In every word and request, there is a burden that God's name will be honored. Like the psalmist in Psalm 115 that prayed, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy great name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. In Psalm 115, too, we read, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? And here you'll see the sympathy of the Christian, that we are interested in protecting and honoring God's name. And that means that we want all men to likewise worship God and praise Him with their lips. Now note the plurality of this teaching. It is our Father. This is corporate prayer. This is the church at prayer. Closet praying has its place, but it will soon break out into this public honor of God's name. Praying that stays in the closet will stay in the closet. There can be no independence in prayer. There can be no selfishness in prayer. It expands the heart and the mind, and the overflow will desire that all men hallow God. Let idols and darkness be cast away. We pray, let God's name shine forth to a lost world of souls. 
who need to know the love and fullness of joy that is in our God. In prayer, we need grace to desire the good of God's kingdom. We're to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. And there is one kingdom, and it is the Lord's. There is one church, one great eternal gathering of the saints, which when gathered in will usher in the return of the Lord as King of kings and Lord of lords. We will come in power and glory into his presence. Right now we are struggling, groaning under the task of building up the Lord's kingdom, and it is our burden to spread the gospel. It is our burden that the gospel will triumph in our needy world. Can we ever spend too much time in prayer for the spread of the gospel within the world? I don't think so. I think that we need to be always busy in the kingdom praying. Now, stay tuned with us as we bring the message today on the manual of a caring church. Let's turn then to our passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're still in verse 8. If you remember that there were a couple of words we didn't get to uh, two weeks ago, Sunday evening, and tonight we're going to come to these two words uh, at the end of verse 8. These two words form a part of Peter's manual for a caring church ministry. Now, in the bulletin, I had Peter's recipe, and I thought I'm going to change that because recipe thinks like baking and cooking, and uh, that's not what we're doing here. But it is part of Peter's manual for a caring church ministry. Pitiful is the first word I want us to look at here, and you will know that it has to do with mercy to the fallen or those who have wronged you, that you show pity, or a willingness to be uh, merciful unto them. The other word, courteous, has to do with being friendly. In the English, it means good manners at court. And when we talk about courting someone, it means to win them. When a young man sets out to uh, win a young lady's heart and love, he will court her. And that means he's out to win her heart. He's out to endeavor uh, that he may present himself and conduct himself in a manner that will uh, not put her at fear or cause her to go the other direction, but it will be a winning and a wooing attitude. What a concept for Christian fellowship, to be pitiful and courteous here in the Lord's church. And I wonder tonight, as a Christian, are you actively courting your fellow Christians? Now, I, I mean that in the biblical sense here that I've just described. Uh, how would you behave if you were to meet uh, you know, someone that you were considering maybe as your future wife or husband for the first time? How would you conduct yourself? You would seek in every way to win that person's heart. Well, here in the Lord's church, as Christians, as we fellowship one another, we are to have this pitiful, this courteous attitude uh, that we may win the friendship, win the hearts, win the confidence 
of our fellow believers. And so this is our subject this evening, the Peter's Manual for a Caring Church Ministry. The thing to remember here, of course, is that we're dealing with people. And not only with people, but in many cases, if not all cases, we're dealing with hurting people. The church of the Lord Jesus is made up of many, many hurting people, hurting from different, different things. Indeed, the premise of Christian ministry is that all men labor under infirmity. If you remember Paul's words in Romans 8, he talks about the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not how to pray as we ought. And even when our burdens and cares and needs, how difficult it is just to to cry to God for the help. And every man or woman, every Christian in this world, whether it's in the physical body or in our emotional state or in a spirit of fear or in a spirit of depression or those things that burdens and cares that come upon us, we are all infirmed to some degree in some way or another. And so this caring church ministry is to minister to hurting and needy people. There was only one perfect man who had a perfect pitch, if I may use a musical term. Someone with a perfect pitch, they get the note right every time. There's only one person who ever walked this world whose life was exactly at the right pitch. Every word, every thought, every attitude was right. When it comes to us, we are mostly off pitch. We do not hit the right note in so many areas of our lives, and we need help. We need grace. We need to be encouraged, and we need to be instructed in these things. And we know that the purpose of grace in the gospel is to lift up It is to encourage. It's to build up the weak. It is to help those that are seeking strength from the Lord and through the means of grace that God has ordained in the Lord's church through his word, through prayer, through fellowship, through the preaching and teaching of that word. So how do we measure up tonight as a church, as individuals? How do we measure up? Being pitiful and courteous. Peter obviously thought that there were Christians who needed help in this area in the first century, as he wrote to these various Christians scattered around. Now, I can surely say that in our day, in our congregation, uh, that each of us need help in this area. I don't think we do this well. I think we all have a lot of shortcomings when it comes to a real Christ-like caring spirit. It's easy to reach high marks in doctrines. And you can get all the great doctrines of the gospel, justification, sanctification, glorification, adoption, regeneration. You can get all those doctrines in your head. And I trust in your heart. I trust that you are adopted into God's family. You're a child of God tonight. You're rejoicing in that. And you can be rejoicing that you're justified. Your standing with God is taken care of by the mighty power of the gospel. And we can be very strong in those things. But when it comes to ministering to our brothers and sisters and the needy and the weak, 
we need a lot of help. We need a lot of guidance. As a church, we are not to be independent, ministering to ourselves and our own needs, coming to church, seeking what we can get from it, but rather there is to be a dependency one upon another. And we are to seek to reach out and minister to others. Our Lord Jesus taught this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's not just taking out your wallet and giving out cash. It's giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your interest, giving of your prayers, giving of your fellowship, giving of your uh, encouragement to the needs and cares of God's people. And you will find this to be the greatest tonic for your own Christian life as much as helping others around you. The greatest thing you can do for your own soul, your own infirmity, if we might say, our own struggles to get the joy of the Lord in our lives is to serve others. That's Christian. It's the very, very premise of Christianity. Now tonight we're coming to the, this text then. We're going to look at this whole subject of uh, Peter's manual for a caring church ministry. Uh, we may not get to the whole manual here, but we'll, we'll certainly emphasize these two things. Number one, we have Peter's reasons for a caring church ministry. Secondly, we have Peter's call to action. And then we have Peter's target people. All in these verses around this text. Firstly, then, the reasons. The reasons for a caring church ministry. Number one, your practice affects your spiritual life. How you conduct your fellowship with the brother or sister around you or in your congregation will affect your prayer life. Look at verse 7. Um, you'll notice at the end of verse 7, relationship between husbands and wives needs to be right. Why? Uh, that your prayers be not hindered. If you're constantly at odds with your spouse, how can you pray? And especially if you are the cause of the friction and you're not of a reconciling spirit, you're not wanting to put things right. Uh, there uh, you are obstinate and even rebellious, failing in a terrible way in the vows that you've taken with your own spouse. And then you come to God to pray. Doesn't work. And down in verse 12 again, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And so we see that our practice will affect our spiritual life, our devotional life, our Bible reading, our closet prayer times, and our praying in the church. The Spirit of God will be quenched. The Spirit of God will be driven from us. And there is to be this exercise of pity, caring, and being courteous. Now, as we seek for mercy from the heart of God in our prayers, so should we show mercy to those around us and in the church of the Lord Jesus. If we are hard-hearted, thoughtless, this is the opposite now to pitiful, showing no mercy, callous, arrogant, how then can we go in prayer and say, Our Father, be merciful, gracious to me? So this 
pitiful spirit is really a part of our new nature. It's really the heart of God. God is pitiful. We know from the attributes of God that he is gracious, he's long-suffering, he's pitiful, he's merciful. God wants us, therefore, to show and display the very same thing. The next reason uh, for a caring church ministry is that Peter makes this the conclusion of Christianity. He says in verse 8, finally, finally. And we've learned already, this is not now to say that the preacher's done. There's half of chapter 3, 4, and 5 still to go. Finally here means in conclusion. In the conclusion of what I've just been saying about wives and husbands and the need to minister to one another, finally, in conclusion, be pitiful, courteous, one to another. A spirit of pity is essential to fulfill the very instructions of the Christian life. Do you see that? What kind of person would we be if we didn't see that? What kind of Christianity would we be professing if we didn't see that? In fact, I would say Peter is stating really the obvious. But I've been preaching long enough to know that we as Christians need to, need to be reminded of the obvious. Those things that we know only too well when someone sits down with us and tries to talk sense into us. But in our carnality and in our frivolity, sometimes we just go roughshod and forget these very basic things. Pitiful, courteous, winning. It's the very conclusion of the matter. Uh, Peter also makes this the handmaid to unity. Now, two weeks ago, I spoke at length on this whole matter of the need for unity in the church. I called it Christian unity, true Christian unity, not the ecumenical kind, not the apostate kind of joining up with the church of Rome and the other faiths of the world. We're talking about that unity that the Lord Jesus said, that as I and my Father are one, that ye should be one. There is a Christian unity, and here's how to strive for it. This pitiful attitude and courteous manner is a way to promote unity amongst God's people. I think we would all agree, pastor and members and all here tonight would, would say the, the great need of any church to function properly is unity. We have to be all pulling together. We have to be striving in harmony. We need the notes not to be a cacophony. We want the notes to be harmonious and sweet and sounding and giving glory to God. That has to work together. Now, are we doing that? Finally, to promote unity, we're to be pitiful and courteous. And instead of looking out for the fault, we're going to be pitiful. And we're going to treat our fellow believers with great grace. In Ephesians 4, we won't turn there. We just don't have time to do it. In Ephesians 4, there is an exhortation that says, endeavoring to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Endeavoring, that means work. That means work. Endeavoring. And here's a way to do it. Show pity. Be courteous. Do it. It is a promoter of wonderful unity. Christians also, if you look at verse 9 now, I'm, I'm working my way through this, you'll notice that the word courteous ends with a colon. Um, those two things set up the principle, and then there's a few details to follow 
in verse 8 right into verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, blessing. That struck me. Do you want to be blessed? And do you want to bless others? Now, if you say no to that, there's no hope for us. If you're here tonight and you say, I didn't come for the blessing of God. I didn't come for any guidance to help me to enjoy more blessing. And I don't want my life to be a blessing to others. There's just no hope for us. There's no hope for the church. There's no hope for families. There's no hope for the whole testimony of Christianity, if that's our attitude. And Peter, he digs this up very, very, very wisely. And he says, we're not looking for evil. We're not looking for railing, which is argumentation. But contrarywise, the opposite of those things we want is blessing. And surely we're praying for the blessing of God upon our church and our ministry and our witnessing for him. That's what we want. That's what we're seeking. What is it that makes you thrive? as a Christian. It's never hate. It's never bitterness. Bitterness destroys. Bitterness is like an acid. It eats up the very container that it's in. And if you live in bitterness, it'll destroy you. But if you live in blessing, you become a blessing. That's what this verse says. says Knowing that ye are therefore unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. What a concept. What a blessing it is indeed. And you can be sure that the mean-spirited Christian is the miserable Christian. The Spirit of God is quenched. We are commanded not to quench the Spirit. Quench simply means to extinguish. It's like smothering the fire. And if you want to smother and extinguish the blessing of the Spirit of God in your heart, be bitter, be spiteful, reel on one another. Work toward evil rather than blessing. That, that's Peter is setting this up for us. On the other hand, when you speak a, a kind word, like our Lord Jesus, who even the littlest child, he said, suffer, allow the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And if you are speaking a kind word to lift up a, a fellow believer, just to give them a, a warm inviting, welcoming friendship. You're a blessing, but you're also blessed yourself. I don't know how Peter, what words Peter could have used to put it any cl more clearly. If you want to be a, have a rich, happy, joyful, and blessed Christian life, this is what you must do. You must be busy, working, being pitiful and courteous. And this will translate and multiply into a church life of greater blessing. When everybody gets it, and everybody is practicing this, corporately unified across the congregation, then we are in for blessing. But if we're not interested in that, then we won't inherit the blessing. I don't know how else to present this tonight. That's what Peter's telling us right here in this very passage. Then we become a church that has a winning spirit, a magnetic, drawing, welcoming spirit that encourages people. Courtship, which works to win the hearts and the friendships of one another. I think we should take this, what I said I'd call in Peter's recipe, Peter's manual. 
and try it. Try it. We should. If we don't, how can we call ourselves biblical Christians? If we're not even interested in doing what we can, endeavoring this. So that's the first one. That's uh, this uh, reasons for a caring church ministry. I want to move on now to the action, the action of a caring church ministry. You'll notice here the word be pitiful, be pitiful. That's action. It's something you're to be, something you're to do. It's not just a prayer. It would be all, it really would be hypocritical to come to the prayer meeting of the church and say, Lord, Unify our church. Lord, deal with the, the, the issues. But if we do not go into action ourselves, it's something we're to do, to be. And there's a list of things here that you're to do. That's why I'm calling this a manual. There's a list of them. Number one, be a servant in the Lord's church to the Lord's people. Now, the Lord Jesus showed his disciples a great example when he took that bowl of water and the towel and began to wash the disciples' feet. And there are churches, you know, today that believe and take this literally that they still today wash one another's feet. Would you? Would you like me to announce a foot washing ceremony at the end of the service tonight? Did you bring your towel? We got the bowls ready and you're going, you're willing to take uh, whichever person in the congregation and literally towel their feet, wash them. But our Lord did not intend to make this a ceremony in his church. Rather, he showed and displayed his servant spirit to serve in the most menial, hum I'm going to say humiliating, not, not to be humiliating, but it is the lowest and stoop to the, uh, the littlest uh, task. The principle is to stoop to serve. Stoop to serve. And it might be to cook a meal, might be to give hospitality in your home, might be to fix a car, might be to shovel the driveway if you're in the snow season. Whatever, there's, there's nothing too low for you to stoop down to serve. Now that sounds so holy and pious and Christian, but unless it's in action, it's farcical. Unless we really put it into action, how can we fulfill this example of our Lord Jesus. That means we seek opportunities rather than avoid them. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. It is a great privilege day by day to bring the message of the gospel wherever you are. Let me invite you to check in on your computer to our website and to our live church services on webcast Sundays 10.30 and 6 p.m. Yes, on your own computer, you can check into our website, go to Live Now, and you will join our church service. And I encourage you to do that any Sunday, 10.30 and 6 p.m., just at those times while our church service are on. So thank you for tuning in with us, and may the Lord bless you today through His Word. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. 
There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.